Welcome to the Discipleship 2 series, Reaching Beyond Mediocrity. Lesson 7, Embracing God's Love, Overcoming Lust, by Paul Bucknell. This was first presented at Oakland International Fellowship, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. This lesson, an illustration of some principles laid down in the first three or four lessons. If you haven't yet read or listened to them, make sure you do. The beginning of Reaching Beyond Mediocrity. This lesson, as others, has a handout. Lord, we thank you so much for your wonderful love and care, for you choosing us, Lord, and blessing us in so many wonderful ways. And through this class, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to the wonderful ways you do want to bless and use us to bring your love throughout the world. Bless us now, Lord, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Today, we're on Lesson 7, and we're going through the series Reaching Beyond Mediocrity. Reaching Beyond Mediocrity. And the focus here is helping us understand in this, in this discipleship two level is that actually God wants the best for our life, but there's certain things that hold us back and actually going through that level two right on to level three, where we're really able to serve the Lord without any hesitation. So often we feel there's problems in our life and we don't know how to deal with those. And so we just kind of subdue ourselves and just think we're a second-class citizen of God's kingdom. As we've been going through here, we've been trying to show you that God actually has great plans for us to grow and understand more what he has for our lives. And today, in Lesson 7, we're talking about embracing God's love and overcoming lust. Now, this topic about overcoming lust is very broad, and there are so many things to say about it. But let me give an introduction, because there's many different facets of this. And first of all, what we find here, lust and lust here, is that there's, there's something that distracts us from the greater calling of love. Because they're totally opposite from each other. We can't love people when we lust for things. Because those that desire within us to have things, uh, to satisfy ourselves, is so controlling that we no longer focus on serving others. It destroys friendship. There's no doubt that lust destroys friendship because we have a higher priority of satisfying ourselves. Whenever we focus on ourselves, we're so willing to cheapen our friendships with others, even willing to deceive and lie to others just to get something that we want. Now, later on, I'll be a little more practical and describe how that occupies us. And so in the end, it cripples our integrity. And so Ephesians 4.22, interestingly, it describes this lust of deceit. That integrity is just taken from us. We're hollowed out. And so we don't really have that that strength, that power of God in our lives. And so someone asks you to serve, you really don't feel like you should or want to because there's something missing in your life. Now, what God gives us ability is to actually overcome these lusts and, in fact, to instead let God rule us, his love rule us, and to really be enriched in our lives. So that, that lust will say, I want, what I want rules me. What I desire will win over me. My desire is this win that overpower me. And this is a problem, a great problem, not only of our modern generation, but just of the, of the world in, in itself. 
Let me go on and describe uh, the Greek word that's used in the Bible uh, to help us kind of get a fuller feel for what this word means. It's epithumeo, okay, is that Greek word. And it means, can be translated desire, a lust. Now, what we need to understand here is that there's both a positive and a negative uh, sense of this one word here. When it means something good, it means long for or desire. Um, Paul in Philippians 1.23 says, but I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire, and that's the word epithumeo, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is really good. For that is very much better. But we also have the evil side of it, the lusting after, the covet. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. And, and in fact, when we look at the Ten Commandments, when Jesus talks about coveting in, in the New Testament, it quotes uh, from Exodus 20, that word covet is still the same word epithemel. That word desire, when you want something, strongly want something. So we need to see that there's, there is a good sense of desire wanting something. We're not talking about the Buddhistic sense of just, I'm going to hold back from all those desires because they're bad. No, God actually has given us a lot of good desires. But uh, our problem is sometimes these wrong desires so compel us, control us, that we sense, think that all desires are bad. But no, that's not the truth, and we don't want to go overboard. A balanced sense of what God has for our life has both of these, longing for something that is good. And in the end, if we only say no to our bad desires, we're still going to end up having those bad desires and being controlled by them. Our real solution to overcome this is to focus on the good desires and see the power of God to supplant the evil ones. And again, we will discuss that more later. So there's two translations, both depending on the context, you will see them. Now let me go on, uh, the choice. Now we talked about early on when we introduced this whole session, Reaching Beyond Mediocrity, that there were two different ways that our love for God can be misfocused. One of them, and lust, focuses on a misplaced confidence. In other words, we put our trust in something else, in a way of getting something else that would satisfy us. Let me just define this for you. Lust manipulates others for the purpose of meeting one's own needs, even at the sacrifice of others. I want something so bad that I will actually steal something. I will actually take something from uh, someone else. I will deceive them. I will want to abuse or misuse other people for my own sake. You see what's happening? This is lust. It, it just so compels us that we control people. But we have a confidence in, I can get away with it. That's the better thing. And this becomes our end. Now, love is totally opposite. And this is where our solution is. Love is God-first confidence. Not that we have love in ourselves, but that God put that new nature in us that swells up within us to actually care for other people. Love focuses on meeting the genuine needs of others, even at the cost of self-sacrifice. Even at the need. Notice the opposite. Now, true, the opposite of lust is also self-control, right? We know that. It's that restraining. 
But I found in my own personal life that when I focus on love, it helps me so much more break through with the vision of what God really wants for my life. Now, there's a lot of types of lust. A lot of types of lust. There's a lust, maybe you can help me here, but I mean, there's a lust for food. There's a lust for the sensuality, right? Sex. There's a lust for money. We heard that uh, recently. There's a lust for fame, for position, for prestige. All of that is for image sake. And that sense of willing to use others to make ourselves look better. We'll never be able to love people the real calling for our lives, as long as we allow this to dominate our hearts. But love, you see, is totally opposite. When we let love control us, my focus is on serving others. Now, we'll have some questions that come to our mind. If I help that person, they might, you know, I might lose my job. I, they're going to get that position, or I'm at home, perhaps. If I give in to my wife's demands or something, you know, then, oh, no, you know, what's going to happen to me? And we have those fears that come in. But God really wants to address those in just having us to trust him and follow the path of Christ. I want to apply this in the area of pornography. It is such a big issue today. Uh, someone was writing to me from Japan, and she works with a lot of women, and she was saying, oh, you might think just men have this problem, but no, many sisters here have this problem. And it's true, there's a lot of women that have problem with pornography too. Now this is only one area of lust. I'll be focusing on a little, little bit more, perhaps because of my own past and my own problems. I can understand how God wants to give us success through this area. But pornography is so dangerous and there's many reasons. But I want to just quickly highlight them. It's easy. In other words, within minutes I could be looking at something or hearing something that is evil. Pornography is secretive. I can do it all by myself on my iPhone, with my TV, with my DVD player. I can listen to the phone. It's secretive, and so I can get away with it. It's not like you're out in public. It's cheap. You know, I don't have to make an appointment with somebody. I can just do it. It's dangerous. The most dangerous aspect Pornography, it is, trains us within a week, within 10 days, how long it takes to get a habit. I could, for example, spend 15 minutes, half hour each day, training my mind how to think about these things, a lust, all right? Give into my lust, think about it, train myself again and again and again. Within 10 days, I'm already trained automatically in my mind to think that way. And I, all my safeguards are taken away. Because I've trained my mind to think that way, and I'll, I'll, I'll share a little more how uh, this happens. And so, within a short time, I can go from down. And it's so scary, in that sense, it's so dangerous. But the dangerous part is the way it trains us. Pornography is so ubiquitous. You can find it everywhere. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but when I open up and I ask my wife, make sure you make this house clean of bad pictures. On the back of our toilet, we have Rita's Diadris. Every time I go in there recently, I had to look twice at this, uh, the cover. I said, nope. The, twice, the second time I caught myself looking twice, tear it off, crumple it up, throw it away. 
I, I, don't, I don't need any of that around my house. When I'm reading a newspaper, oh, that's not a good ad. So either I'll fold it up, cover it, or I won't even read it. We, we have very strong restriction that we don't see anything vain. That's what the Lord wants us to keep our eyes pleased. We've got to govern what we watch. Otherwise, we're letting those sensual pictures go into our mind, and they begin to cheapen our relationships. Now, you might say, well, I'm not involved so much in pornography. But if you allow a fantasy to go about, you know, because your husband or wife's not there, hey, we lost it. Because we're no longer loving someone. You can't do both. You know, so all those books, the fantasies, the songs, the words, you know, get rid of them. And you will see that your life becomes so much uh, forward in, in the terms of following the Lord. I just want to go on and just, again, share uh, the danger of lust. Now, I'm not, again, I'm going to broaden out again, not just on the area of sexual sensuality, these kind of lusts for sex, in a broader thing, because this is, uh, he's talking about it this way. Could we read 2 Peter 2, 18 to 19, please? For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshy desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. It's very important for us to pay attention to what goes on here. You'll find that one of the keys of why our young people are lost is because of this. Okay, I'll mention that in a second. Now, the first thing, the fleshly desires, the sensuality. This is the identifying of hedonism. Hedonism, which tells us that fulfilling our desires brings the greatest satisfaction in life. If you believe that, you're already sucked into the world. If you think that's what brings, you're totally missing what God has, which is much greater. Uh, the promise of freedom. These people will talk about promising them freedom. Now, don't you hear that, though? I, I, I hear it again and again. People trying to tell me that just living, you know, with shacking up with anybody is a better thing. Just indulging in your lust is much better than the old-fashioned Ten Commandments, severe God of Old Testament commands you, restrains you, holds you back from your very best. This is what they're insinuating. Oh, we have a better life. Just give in to your feelings. Give in to your lust, your desires. This is the hedonism that's all around. That It's so-called freedom. It's not freedom at all. We'll read a thing about that. But they're talking about it as if it's freedom, being able to choose whatever you want. Uh, thirdly, it talks about propagating, that word entice, okay? And promising freedom. That's also kind of the sense of uh, promulgating what they're trying to propagating what they're saying. Propagate what they believe is trying to catch others. And so in our society, all around us, we're hearing these voices. Indulging your lust. Following your desires is the best thing for you. And unless we can grapple with this, our young people are lost. Unless we ourselves can grapple with this, you know, as adults here, we are lost because it is such a key issue. And it's what you really believe down underneath that makes the key difference. Because here, if you really believe in hedonism, then you'll live for your desires. And you, they'll try to get others I mean, people have come up to me. I mean, I know at the universities here, there are groups that are trying to catch you into their sensualism. That's your goal. How quick can we catch them and pull them into sensualism? They'll 
trap them, and then they'll threaten to broadcast it. They're trapped. And this is this is what's going on behind the scenes. No, not, not many people are talking about, it, but they're very clear about what they're doing. But what's happened here, and this is where I'm trying to help us understand, and Jesus and, and Peter was saying, slaves of corruption, he is enslaved. Whatever a man is overcome by this, he is enslaved. There's no freedom there. Lost is actually being imprisoned by your own desires. They control you. They control what you think. They control your mind. And so they dominate you. And where you think you had freedom, no. You try to break out of it, no. It's not there. And uh, I, this is a powerful truth, by the way, uh, when you're sharing the gospel with people. Because a lot of people have problems and controlled by their desires, and they can't get out of it. But you can share about the joy of what it is to be able just to love people, not to pretend. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm your friend. Uh, you know, for a husband to say, oh, I love you, when he's really thinking of someone else. No, 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 you see? There, there's a greater, greater thing that's, that's here uh, that we have in the gospel. And this is what we share the gospel with. Take out your, on your third sheet, you'll see this, understanding our lust, okay? Uh, there's about five questions there, and you can start filling that out or as we're talking, and uh, you can just re reflect on that. Don't go beyond that because we uh, won't have time to focus on it. But there's just five questions there. I'm not going to ask to collect these. For some reason, some people feel like this, and I, I know from myself in the past, I feel so much more embarrassed to tell other people about these things. Uh, I don't want anyone to know. And if, if that's what you like, that's fine too. But I, I frankly... It, if you have a concern with this, make sure you do find someone and tell about it. Because it's the secretiveness, which is the darkness, which is the deceit that, and the pride that keeps it all boxed in. So there's no real delivery, no real uh, salvation and freedom from this. I, I know that some people, they, they, uh, guys especially, uh, you know, they, oh, you know, I hope, <coughs> hope to get married. You know, that I won't have that problem. And, not, and uh, they don't realize, no, no, no. The, the problem is not marriage. The problem is the desires that you let control you. So we have to treat, train everybody to really train those desires uh, in a way so that we can love. We can love. What we're going to discuss here, in terms of discussing the solution and coming through, is actually very important because it is very similar to other ones. This is a misplaced focus, a confidence. Our confidence that my best life is in what I can do, the way I can grab hold of it, by abusing other people, by stealing their things. <laughs> it, it's all part of that life. Uh, and again, this lust for things is now into our government, so that our government has what? It has these casinos. Gambling. Where it used to be, no, 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 you would never have gambling. Now the government has given into it. So it is ubiquitous in the sense that the government no longer is protecting the people from it, but has given into that sense, I want more money, the money promises it, and I will agree with your lust. Or even the subtle promise, everyone should have a house. Well, you're gonna, where are you going to get the money? Or are you going to take it from someone else to give to them? You know, it, it's that sense of stealing, the sense of, yes, everybody should have all those things that they crave. Without that sense of work, duty, building up, storing up. And, and so it, it's all around us in very subtle ways. And we have to be very careful. Now let me go on and discuss what's the problem here. There's two weaknesses. Misplaced confidence will have two weaknesses. One is the value. It's what you might call the idol. 
we, we think lust can bring us. We put value on what lust can bring us. For example, uh, there's that promise he talks about. If I lust for a, a woman or a relationship, if I only had that man, if I only had, you know, it, it's like the promise, if I had, it just corrupts us. Because we're thinking that getting that thing is actually what helps us. In the end, Jesus says, no, it's not. It's not that relationship. It's not that hope. It's not that fun. You know, it's not that, that experience that gives me meaning in life. If we're really going to have any long-term degree of working, then we have to uh, focus on these values that we need to change. Now, sometimes it's just been built into us. We just think, I need to have a good job, good-looking job to feel successful. That's important for my life. And I, it, it's good to have a job to care for people. But sometimes what we're thinking has actually been corrupted by our desires. We have to control our thoughts. Lust gains control through our thought life. And unless we control our thoughts, then we can never find freedom because they are too powerful. But it is through our thoughts that the lust gain control. I, I can still have lust, but if they don't control my mind, then they will be very and greatly limited in the effect they have on my life. I'd like to look at another couple of verses from 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Just again, remind us uh, the battle that's before us. Could you read with me, please? Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. This is an issue of our life. Notice the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. There's three things he says in the world that really tackles us. We talked about pride last week. The lust of the flesh is of what kind? And it's from our bodies. And you might think of any bodily desire, okay, that, that would want that. The lust of the eyes, you think about those desires that are attached to what we see out there. And uh, so, again, you, you might be thinking about what you see and what you want. Is that sense? Notice it's the world is passing away and also it's lust. All those things that promise but really bring enslavement. They're just passing away. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. And in your heart, just say, Lord, I want to be one of those people who abide forever. Because I have a higher principle in me, no longer is it lust that rule me. It's that love of money, that love of people saying things about me. But it's the sense that I'm committed to caring for people. I'm committed to the way of Jesus. Thought control. There's a lot of different aspects of lust. You, know, you might think of all the cousins. And, uh, how do you control yourself from indulging food? How do you... Well, here's one temptation, okay? Wouldn't you like to? Don't you need to? And, and it's kind of so subtle because it's linking up to your desire of what you think needs to be. It's those values. Unless you can identify these thoughts, we've gone about this in the past. I have a special podcast on temptations uh, that are on this uh, series. And if you can look at it uh, even more specifically, I, I deal with these thoughts and how they get into our minds. But 
what happens is there's a temptation, a thought that comes into our mind. It's actually Satan so cleverly puts it in our mind that we're not even aware it's there or from him. But it's a suggestive thought. Wow, don't you want to get closer? Maybe it's, it, it's a person you're thinking that will promise that relationship or those feelings. Look at her. You know, wouldn't you want, don't you want her? You know, it, it's those things that make us all of a sudden think, yeah, go ahead. No one will know. And let me give you a, a clear example here. For example, if I'm on a bus going by and whoop, there's a woman, a, a woman walking across and she's seductively dressed. Okay, I'm being distracted. She might be, be a beautiful woman, but she's distracting me. And there's a thought that goes from mine. Oh, wouldn't you? It's there. And the sense of my eyes following it, there's a thought there, and that thought is enticing me. That's not sin yet. Okay? Jesus said the sin becomes when you lust. There's this difference between temptation and lust. And sometimes, oh, you're already thinking about, you know, no, there's, we have to differentiate between the temptation and the actual lust. Temptation is, that thought is, wouldn't you? But that's actually from the evil one. It's in place in my mind to bait me, to catch me. Now, if I follow through and respond, I'm trapped. Okay, then I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with it and I'm following the suggestion. Temptation suggests the next thought. It's a very logical process. If that's what you like, then you think the next thought and then you follow, you're sucked in. We will never get a hold on this unless we begin to actually identify the thoughts that Satan uses to catch us. And we got, we got to pay attention to them. Now, whatever area that you work with in your life, what areas of those strong desires that really keep you from loving others? And as you focus on that, start asking the Lord, help me to notice when I fall into it. And we have a whole worksheet on that, an exercise sheet you can later look at and work through. Notice the secretive aspect of this one. Go ahead. No one's not going to see you. You know, it, it's very subtle. In fact, let me go on with this. Because what I find is Satan is so tricky. Sometimes we're caught into a lust. And he can just come in and just grab us with some bold type of temptation. But more than often, there's an indirect and subtle type of temptation. I call it number one, two punch. The number one is basically getting the other person off guard. Not your biggest thrust. It's just getting you in a position where you're focusing on something else. And when, you're, when the other person is defending and focusing, and that's what, what we probably do as Christians, right? I'm focusing and defending. He comes in with another one, and that's where his real punch is. So he first gets us thinking about a certain area, and then he get, comes in with a further, more direct, more brash effect. And so... Each of these balls stand for a certain thought. And it will, if there's a progression here that will begin to lead us down a path. James says, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth to death. So it starts with temptation. Temptation is carried away, enticed by your own lust. We get the sin. Somewhere not too far down the line, it doesn't take long, we stay on that path, it just brings death. Lust can destroy marriage. <clears throat> Lust can destroy any person, any type of relationship that we have. Because that relationship is all a pretense. I'm only saying those things so you look at me in a different way. 
I'm only saying those things so I can steal something from you, I can get something from you. It's really our desires that control what we say. And I look friendly, but down deep there's those lusts inside. And that's why we're so scared to tell others, do you know how terrible I am? Now, sometimes Satan comes by and says, look how you're thinking, you're not a Christian. Be careful. You see, Satan can bring the most awful temptation in our mind. And I'm, for example, I'm just thinking about something, all of a sudden, wow, I'm thinking about the most terrible thing in the world. I'd be so embarrassed to tell you. But he has inputted that temptation in my mind. But if I think that temptation is actually my own desire, it's, it's not. I have a greater desire of loving and caring for people, not treating them that way. But he's trying to make you think, that's all there is about you. you you're just pretending you want to be a Christian or something of that nature. That's true, we all have a flesh, and the flesh can be think and stir up any of the most wicked and desperate things. But God's given us a new nature where we don't have to give in to it. And this is the point of temptation. Satan's saying, give in to it. But we have a choice and say, I don't need to. We have a greater choice. And this is what we have for us. It's the power of truth. Get excited about the truth of God's word. Get excited for what God's given to us because it offers freedom. There's a lot of people going around, why would you stay married to that husband or wife that gives you so much trouble? You know, they don't know. someone just wrote to me, it was actually the wife, she would just say, I give my husband so much problem because I can't talk to him. Even before we married, I just never could get, have a normal conversation. So the husband's probably thinking, probably tempted with, why would I put up with a woman that never really wants to talk with me? And this woman is so frustrated and thinking, I am causing my husband so much problem, you can almost sense Satan pounding down onto them, even though she's about to have her fourth and fifth child. But how can the truth set you free? This is what we're all about. Now I want to share how true values and right thoughts will set you free through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God-empowered. Now remember, it's the false values that enchange you. Now, I want to think about some specifically here. Be impatient, for example. Maybe I feel impatient with something, some situation. Maybe I want to get married. Maybe I want more money, a raise, a better job, or to be more beautiful, whatever. But I, I'm not patient. Now, what does that mean? There's some value in there that I'm valuing these things rather than just trusting God in His way. Yeah, God's way is the best. I value God's will and God's timing the best. When he brings a partner by, that's fine. If God gives me that health, that's fine. But um, it's not going to be something that controls me, that this is so important. No, I'm going to be patient. Self-control is very important. I'm going to hear that giving into your lust, giving into your lust is more important, will bring a greater sense of freedom. No, but God will say the true value is when I exercise self-control, I will begin to ascertain God's greater and more glorious ways. Self-control actually promises all sorts of great things. But unless I believe that, unless my value is, yes, I can trust God, and He'll give me that self-control and watch over me. It will be that wonderful sense that no longer am I controlled by my desires, but instead I have that sense that Spirit is actually helping me be patient, to watch over my ways, that I can carry out what God wants. I can actually begin to cherish this.
and see that it's part of God's way of bringing something greater. The fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Contentment. Can you be content with a little money? Content with a little job? Content with a little service? Can you? Can you be content with a spouse who has a lot of inferiority problems or a roommate has this kind of problem? Can I just trust that God has a greater plan there? And I'm not just after my freedom, my quietness, my this. I don't have to go grabbing those things. He has a way of giving me peace. And so this contentment is so important in our life. God's timing very closely connected to it. In that sense that God will bring about those things in his way. Right thoughts about a person's beauty, about a person's sexual desires. I mean, some people, are, when I was over in India, there's a number of uh, foreigners just trying to go and try to dress as a monk and, you know, be Buddhist, be Hindu, whatever, and worship these idols and, and things. They get involved in it, totally involved in it. And, and there they are, a thousand miles away. They've kind of burned their way behind. What often happens is in a hedonistic society, people get so burned out with their lust for first 30 years. They just want to reject it all because they see the isolation. They see the hatred, the guilt, and they just want spiritual freedom. Sexual desires, but they want to reject the sexual desires, which also comes along with some of those religions and, and their uh, particular philosophy. Not God. God says the sexual desires are good. We just have to control where they're expressed in marriage about the right person. Love is what controls us. And so sexual desires and, and things, we have to go and think through whatever is good. Read with these verses from Philippians 4, 8 with me. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. You see, when we begin to focus on what's good and lovely, it begins to shape where we're going. If I'm going anywhere, it's where I'm looking. I'm going to go stop walking. It just influences us. And that's our goal, our vision. When we begin to start thinking that true, whatever is honorable, whatever is lovely, is best. Then our minds just begin to follow that way, and our decisions begin to follow that way. The reason this slide has starts with a backdrop of blackness, okay? If we only live by our lives, it's just enslaved, it's in darkness. But what will free us is these true values, these right thoughts. And this, by meditating on God's Word, He begins to shape our hearts and minds. I would have been divorced and have been a very awful person if God didn't save me. Not just saving me. He had to restore me. Now, how he restored me was actually this, through this sense of meditating in his word and him beginning to give me back the right values and the right thoughts. Our lives are like broken down pillars and no longer can support anything. If I come out of sin, I confess my sins, and I feel free. But your determination to be holy will only last so long. You have to restore the foundations that go along with that. Those foundations, I mean, is the pillars of truth that also are associated with those areas. And for uh, sensual lust, you have to have right perspective of people, 
You have to have a right perspective of woman, of men, of your own body, of sexual desires, of why God made you, of God's timing, of God's will. All those thoughts have to be there of beauty. You have to think of it rightly. Otherwise, Satan will trap you. Long-term success requires rebuilding of the broken pillars. Those broken pillars are false understandings in your life that connect with a false value. Why would I go to a casino? There's some value there. Why do I need to buy a house bigger than I can afford? There's some value there. In, in all house, why do I have to look so beautiful, spend you know, so much money on my face? It, it, it's just that we're craving some things. We have to identify those cravings and then be set free. That's not my real person. God loves me. He loves me marvelously. And he sees through my ugliness when I first wake up and I look in the mirror. Or I don't have that money. I was pretending to have money, pretending to have that. I don't need that fancy car. I don't, I don't just need that. It's not what my life is all about. And so we can settle down into being a real self and realizing God really loves us. And it's that that I cherish. And I'll use more of my time and resources to serve others. See, that's the life of Christ. And it's marvelous. Not being controlled by my own desires. Controlled by God's desires to bring love into this world. That is such a grand and wonderful thing. And if you're going to stand strong, they have to be rebuilt. Now, each area of lust will have its own particular broken pillars. Long-term success. That the pillars of truth. Don't just focus on, I'm going to fight that. I'm never going to do it again. You see, you're not allowing yourself to say, what is the real battle? The real battle is I have some false values here that I really do like that. I think that promises more. Do you think a sensual adventure or fantasy will fulfill you more than getting busy on helping somebody with something? You can make a decision, you say, or stealing some food and just eating more. Do you think that's actually going to satisfy? It's a false sense of promise, right? That it's going to really satisfy. No, instead you focus on serving somebody. Not serving yourself. You're going to focus on serving someone else. And you have to start saying, yes, it is better to serve someone else than myself. That's what Jesus said. Better to give than to receive. And so it's a whole change of perspective. Let me summarize what we've been going through. We have one side is joy in God's creation. What's beauty? Joy in how he made me. How he made others. Or I can be troubled with why God may have that person around me? Why does that person have to be like that? There's a difference between there. Either love is controlling your thoughts or lust. It says, enjoy the wife of your youth. Or you could choose lust. Be fascinated with others. There's a choice. Discern lustful temptations. Or the life of no examination of thoughts. You'll never succeed. Your desires will control you. You can trust God with life. That's love. What he's given you. And, and, and you can just trust him. Or, and, and his strength that he gives you. Or on your own resources. Oh, I get to have to get that and get that. You can trust God. You can commit yourself to Jesus and his life. Deny yourself. That's the opposite, isn't it? Deny yourself. Pick up the cross. It's like... 
That's the end of my old self. I'm not serving myself. It's that kind of final decision, but it's a day-to-day -day decision. I'm not serving myself. I am going to serve others like Jesus rather than trying to make sure everything comes to you what you want. I'm going to be, Ephesians 2.10, carrying out God's good work rather than living by my feelings. You see the difference of the power of the gospel and lust where you're so controlled. One brings great joy in your life. The other one, much sadness. So it, think of it as a choice. Yes? So say when I'm struggling with stuff on the right side, mm -hmm. how do I reposition myself? Excellent question. Because that's what we have to say. Whenever you struggle with one area, okay, say I'm struggling with lust, okay, I have to start seeing what my values are. Why do I think this? What is it promising to me? Why am I so willing to do this or that, even though God says I shouldn't? So I, I, I come back down and my values, and I examine them. I start thinking about what my thoughts are. I have to start detecting what my thoughts are. That's especially true when you're going in into a situation avoiding lust. But it's also true once you're in there and you're examining what you value, you have to go back to what I'm thinking. And whether you can't even think through your thoughts, you must be able to look concretely. If I'm allowing myself to think of a fantasy about having a million dollars, having that car, having that whatever it is, see, I have to say, no matter what I think, look how I'm making decisions to follow along that line. And I have to say, I belong to God. I reject that value that says that I am committed to making that much money and looking like that before people that think I have to be so popular. Even in serving, you say, I can serve everybody in church. Why? I really want people to look at me in a certain way. If there's that sense of desire for people to focus on it, you have to break through, even if it's something so-called holy. And say, no, that's me, that's desire. I deny that. I've chosen to follow Jesus. I belong to him. So there's that whole sense of identifying, rejecting, and then taking on what's new. I choose, Lord, you know, I'm only going to think about my wife. She's the one you gave me. Uh, there's a joy in God's spirit. Woman might be beautiful. That person might be beautiful. But my joy is just praying for her and say, Lord, you bless her for someone else. My contentment with where I am in my life, I'm going to focus on serving other people and loving them. And so that light comes when you start getting those pillars in there and start bringing that the right way of thinking into your life. That old way, but a believer always no, that's over there. And separate it from yourself. That's my old man, but my new person. I really want to follow you, Jesus. So right now I'm denying myself. And so there's that sense of forgiveness, total forgiveness of sin through Jesus. Total forgiveness. And that's why that question's on one of the sheets there. How long does it take for you to get from your guilt into forgiveness? Make sure it gets down to just minutes. That's when you really know it's, you're accepted by the righteousness of Christ and not your own efforts. And a lot of people feel bad about myself for three days before God accepts me. No, God never said that. It's totally freeing. Cherish God's design and value. Okay, Again, cherish all the values that God gives you. His, and start getting excited about it. If you have questioned why I don't value things that God uh, values. By the way, I've written this out and it's much more detail. 
I'm just really highlighting points here. Observe one's thoughts. I was trying to give an example when I was on a bus and I see a beautiful woman. What am I thinking? I have to control my thoughts. I go back down. Yes, she is beautiful, but that does not mean I lust for her. No, not at all. She's made for someone else. You see, I'm going back to God's truth. Man and woman. That woman, God made her for another. God made that man for another. You don't need to crave that relationship or think it will fulfill me. God has his timing for my life, but I only can do it when I'm observing my thoughts. And then I build those thoughts. I establish thoughts through the word of God. So when I'm looking for those pillars, that if I have a problem in one area, I start identifying what values I have and start using a Bible study or Bible book that changed me. When I had to work through the whole area of sensuality, God changed me in my own perspective, my own life, as well as relationship with others through the Song of Solomon. It was just amazing. If you want, I can always share more with you. Um, some of it's on the website, but it's just amazing. And I, I, I see God rescued me in, in very clear ways. But it was one foundation after another, okay? And don't just quickly think, I'll never do that again. I'll never be, you know, challenged with that money or the buying that thing. No, no, no. There's some pill. Look at what you value. Why did you do it before? Yeah, see, that's where you're going to start getting deep. Love those who are tempted to use you. Other people might use you for wrong, but you see, you still have the power of love. You don't need to protect yourself. Just let love, love, and let God protect you. Give thanks for God's work in you. It might not be as great as you want, but you believe this year is a journey where God's going to give me strength and he's going to help you. Now, we have four exercises. Um, there's the first one you looked at quickly, observe lust in your life. There's two, trace how you respond to your strong desires. This is all in the handouts. It's, it's a lot longer. Uh, the third one is how to prevent lust. Look at, again, that reading and, and uh, podcast on preventing lust and temptation. And fourthly, combating lust. A little more uh, exercises. I've written a whole series on overcoming sexual sins. This is, again, very connected to all sorts of lust, though. And it's actually building up the pillars of truth through it. And, and the design of man and woman, which is a big issue today, how man and woman are different and things of this nature. Now, sometimes we still have to learn, how does what you're reading every day apply to my problem of lust? Mm -hmm. But it does. And I, again, there, there's there's series. Learn how God's work can come alive. And you say, wow, oh, he's starting going to build this. You have to trust him in some sense. He's a master teacher. His spirit lives in us. And he says, I have lots of things to teach you. Now, if you get your pen out, when you start reading God's word, it's the best way. And then to meditate on those things. I just get so excited when we think about reaching beyond mediocrity. This is where the power of God comes in because this is the testimony you'll have for sharing with others who have the same problem. And when we're counseling people, helping people, whether it's a spouse or a stranger, someone at work, a roommate, you know, it all comes back down to how God has worked in you and you've seen the power of God's work in your life. Then you say, you know, can I share with my journey? It's not kind of bragging because you know where you started. <laughs> you started in the hole, in the pit, and no one wants to be there. We brag about what our Lord's done for us, the power of his word. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you so much for your amazing love in Christ. You are so awesome and mighty. Would you please, would you please break through all our lust? 
that we could see how cheap, how deadly, how poisoning, how isolating all those false promises are. The world says that's the key. We challenge that with the word of God, Lord. We know love is the key. You've given us something much greater to occupy our thoughts and minds with, how we can treasure and help people rather than cheapen and use them. We thank you, Lord, for the mighty word of God. Now work that word in us, Lord, day by day as we read your word. In any special study that we might have, help us to be those overcomers. That we can testify how you saved us from our lust. How you welcomed us in your journey of denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and following Christ. Give us that vision, that more glorious way. Rebuild those pillars of truth. In Jesus we pray. Amen. This is the end of Embracing God's Love, Overcoming Lust. The Lesson 7, Reaching Beyond Mediocrity, Discipleship 2 Lessons. We welcome you to join us on the Biblical Foundations for Freedom website, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. There you'll find many resources, including Overcoming Sexual Lust, Running the Race, as well as other resources, such as the handouts for this lesson and the exercises.